Welcome into another edition of Tampa 2. Casey Phillips here with staff writer Bree Dix here to break down that Lions game, look ahead to the Falcons game, talk about everything going on in the Buccaneer world. Yes. Of course, we wanted that cream school game to yes, be a, a different victory. outcome. <laughs> yeah. That was not the outcome we wanted. First of all, let's mm -hmm. establish, though, the creamsicle part of it, fire. Yes. Uniforms, amazing. Stadium, amazing. Graphics, Phenomenal. digital content, all the thing. Not to toot our own horn <laughs> as part of that team. I know you and yes. I didn't necessarily do a whole lot with it. So shout out to all yes. of our team for everything they did. All of the work the Buccaneers organization put into it. It looked amazing. Mm -hmm. And hopefully the next time it'll be a W because those jerseys just deserve a W. Yes. Even sitting up in the press box, at one point I looked down and just, I think they were, the line is, it was around Bucko Bruce. And it was just for a second. I mean, it almost felt like I was watching a VHS tape. <laughs> Phenomenal. That's great. Absolutely loved it. So outside of that, now that we've established that part was amazing. Yes. Let's get into some of the takeaways from the game itself. Let's start on the offensive side of things for the Bucks. What stood out to you about that game? Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing for me was just third down became the deciding factor for the Buccaneers, really on both sides of the ball. You know, offensively, they weren't able to sustain drives. The Lions dominated the line of scrimmage. They dominated time of possession. Um, the Bucs were 2 of 12 on third down conversions, which was a little bit uncharacteristic because that's been one of the strengths of this offense, one of the strengths of Baker Mayfield coming into that game, had the highest completion percentage on third down. And then defensively, I think, you know, they started off really strong and then kind of towards the end of the game, being on the field for so long, that fatigue kind of set in. And then the Lions just ended up imposing their will. They finished 9 of 16 on third down. So really that was kind of the biggest difference in, in the two. But I think for me the most positive takeaways and bright spots from that game was certainly Levante David and Clyde Jacancy. For Levante, just kind of showing his – the vintage Levante, the coverage prowess against Sam Laporta, kind of limiting him, the yards after catch, and then also with Clyde Jacancy, kind of his first full debut since he re-aggravated the calf injury in week one. And he was just disruptive. You know, you saw the first step quickness. I think one of the most notable things for me was that play in the second quarter against Panay Sewell, who's one of the most dominant offensive linemen in the league right now, probably other than Lane Johnson, Absolutely, just kind of quickly bypasses him, you know, bent, got small, and then quickly got upfield to tackle Craig Reynolds. So I think you're starting to see a lot of excitement surrounding him. Um, and I have one of my friends who works for NextGen. I was like, I need, I need the goods on Cansey. And I thought this was extremely telling. But Cansey generated six pressures on 28 pass rushes in his second career game, tied for the most pressures by a rookie defensive tackle in a game over the last five seasons, he averaged 2.37 second time to pressure and has recorded the second highest pressure rate at 18.9% among defensive tackles this season with a minimum of 30 pass rushes. So I think that just kind of illuminates what he was able to do against the Lions. Yeah, that's a huge deal. So for me, on the off <clears throat> on the offensive side of things, I feel like I was with you. The third downs, it's so interesting because it, it has been the area of strength, right. especially for Baker Mayfield. Um, and I thought about how especially, you know, Chris Godwin was still sort of a consistent person in that area this game. Right. So at least, again, we saw that there's reason for hope still in that area, mm -hmm. that even though team-wise it wasn't there, right. Godwin's been Baker's guy yeah, in those areas. Too. So he, in this game, had first down conversions on third and seven, fourth and four. Mm -hmm. You know, he had some chunk plays. Um, so to this point in the season for third down with him, he's had nine targets, nine catches, and seven first downs. 
for those third down situations. I'm like, man, Godwin is like automatic when it comes yes. to that stuff. So I did like that he was still having success in those areas mm -hmm. in this game. But yeah, overall, you know, I think it to me it was probably a little bit more of a fluky thing when we had several mm -hmm. games showing right. like this is an area of strength. It just for whatever reason this game didn't wasn't happening. And I think a lot of it was the the theme has sort of been the idea of missed opportunities, mm -hmm. right? And you can take those either way because, look, when you lose, you can always look at a game and say, oh, if just this had happened, if this, right. if just this, this had happened. We know, I mean, the Lions are going to say that about some of their plays too. Right. So it, we understand that it's not making excuses. It's not saying that, you know, that's really what matters. But I will say that when you look at the fact that on the tip ball that got intercepted, Mike is wide open. That's a touchdown. No yeah. questions about yes. it. And then again, a couple mm -hmm. of those slightly overthrown deep balls and just remembering that, you know, it, I know that it's we're getting to the point where you can't keep saying it's early in the season. You're getting to that point where we're going to be past that. But right. I do still believe that it is fair that you, when you're looking at Baker to Trey Palmer, like these are guys that are completely new to each other, new to this mm -hmm. team, new to this system. And you always hear about the importance of some of that chemistry right. for those deep ball connections in particular. So I think that it is fair to say that it will probably only go up from here. Right. Every game, every snap is that much more of, that they're going to be able mm -hmm. to build that chemistry and learn from that with those missed opportunities. Um, right. And then I, I think a big bright spot was Luke Gedeke versus Aiden Hutchinson. Yes. That was a matchup we talked about on our show last mm -hmm. week of how important that was going to be. And, I mean, Hutchinson was just a, a non-factor, essentially. Mm -hmm. The only time you really heard his name – was when he shoved Baker out of bounds and people were calling for it to be a late hit. He was right. held to just three tackles. And, man, let me tell you, if you say to me that Luke Gedeke and Tristan Wirfs combined hold a guy that's a top pass rusher in the league to no sacks, just three tackles, like right. a non-factor, man, that's a recipe for success yes, right there. So I thought that, that was is. great. On the defensive side of things, yeah, Levante, he's the guy. He's just still the guy. It's yeah. amazing. And um, if people want more Levante co you know, content, which who doesn't? So <laughs> the Salty Dogs they, guys, they had him on their show. And it was interesting because we had Antoine Winfield Jr. on our show on Monday. And he was talking about Levante and how incredible it is that he has both the ability, the physical abilities – Right. And the veteran savvy. We were talking about how in this league, it's so rare to have both because yes. by the time you get the veteran savvy, sometimes maybe your body isn't doing the things it used to do. Right. And there's a little bit and of the regression. And he's still able, I mean, especially when you look at in coverage, I thought about, like you talked about him, we, we mentioned both of us picked yes. the him versus yes. Laporta matchup, which I felt like we really looked smart at that point. <laughs> um, to be able to put him in coverage one-on-one -on -one against a guy like Laporta. Right what that means to the rest of your defense and what mm -hmm. they can be doing is such a huge deal. So, um, and yeah, can't see, it's just so great to see that he can even two times now off of missing a lot of time can right. still come in and make an immediate mm -hmm. impact right away as a rookie, huge deal. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. And then of course we mentioned the third down, so we don't need to keep reading that. That was all my takeaway. And it's just like, yep, we know third down, <laughs> third down and long didn't go well. So, <laughs> yeah. um, and then I also feel like we should mention our, uh, weekly shout out to Jake Camarda for just yes. continuing. Oh. To be amazing, yeah. to continue to be essentially an incredible offensive weapon for us. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, he was leading the league already with an average of 52.6 yards per punt going into the game. He averaged 54.2 in the game, including a 65-yard punt and a 63-yard net punt. Net. Ooh. It's ridiculous. Yeah. He's incredible. Shout out to Jake Marta. <laughs> um, okay, so injury update. Uh, tell me what we're working with at this yes. point. Because we talked about, man, that bye week came at a good time for, yes. for injury. It is very interesting. For the first time, I think, since I started covering the NFL, I have never seen this, but the Falcons, yesterday, because we're filming this on Friday, Thursday, their injury report is blank. There's no one. isn't one. Yes. 
They had I, at first thought Calais Campbell who had that. the rest day on Wednesday, but then you don't have to have said person next. So completely blank. And then for us, you know, only have two guys on the list, Anthony Nelson, who was dealing with the concussion. He was a full participant on Thursday as well. And then Vita Vea will definitely be the person to watch. He downgraded to a non-participant on Thursday. Yep. So again, we're recording this Friday so, morning. Yes. We have not seen Friday's injury report, which is always the one that gives all the info of the out, yes. the questionable, the what does it mean? I will say Vita going into this game, being on the injury report. Don't love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't love that. Exactly. I would like Vita Vea at his just absolute yes. healthiest best mm -hmm. against a team that just wants to run the ball. Yes. Over and over well, and over. It's like you finally get Kalijah Kansi back. I know, it's right? Like, Man, why can't we have nice things? Vita. Yeah, no, I think, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully it means that he just was their non-participant, that they're just going to be very careful and that he's going to be ready to right. go. I, uh, yeah, we'll definitely keep an eye on that for sure. Yes. Um, all right, let's dive into uh, some of our one-on-one -on -one matchups that we are looking to in this game. What are some of the, the individual, yes. us versus them people? My two, so first I'm going to go with Robert Hainsey against David Onyemata and Grady Jarrett. That is going to be a critical, critical matchup. Um, you know, Hainsey for the second consecutive season, Ryan Jensen was out with the significant knee injury. Robert Hainsey's kind of anchored the line, um, you know, has the, the solid hand placement, plays with toughness. But David Onyemata... Grady Jarrett, that is a absolute two-headed monster of two of the best guys in the league. You have Jarrett, who just absolutely wrecks havoc at the line of scrimmage, has that, the burst, the quickness, um, and consistently demands double teams, which is just a testament to his ability. And then you have Anyamata, who is just an absolute one-man wrecking crew, plays with just absolute violence. Um, so I think that's going to be a really critical matchup is kind of, okay, how were they able to handle those guys? Um, obviously going to be more challenging to potentially get those runs between the tackles when you have those two guys there. Um, but also just keeping Baker Mayfield upright. Cause I think a lot of potentially the, the pressures and the hits that people have had have kind of come through that interior. So how are they able to hold up against two up and coming guys who are, elite mm -hmm. and then my second one is going to be one with the uh the inside linebacker again but I did Devin White against B. John Robinson and like we've mentioned this is certainly a team that is predicated on running the football that kind of sets up the rollout the rollouts the play action um the the versatile personnel groupies that they have but I mean B. John Robinson man I mean even in the draft you know this is a guy that coming out was probably the most talked about, most celebrated running back prospect since Saquon Barkley. Um, and he's already demonstrated the the elusiveness, the he's the so quick shifty. jump cuts. He's yes. Just the, breaking ankles. Just ability to stack the cuts and do, do all these incredible things. And the majority of his runs have come outside. So I think taking those angles of pursuit, the run fits, is going to be really, really key this week. And Devin White's a guy that – can kind of, you know, bounce from gap to gap and flow and kind of mirror those rushers to the outside, which I think is going to be critical. And obviously he has that, the closing burst, um, the change of direction skills. So even when, you know, Devin White's the main focal point of Todd Bowles' pressure packages on the blitzes, so occasionally they could be in those one-on-one -on -one matchups if Robinson has to kind of try and chip. Um, so I think that's going to be a really big matchup this week because that kind of sets – their entire offense in motion. So if they're able to limit 
him, that's going to be huge. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. So I chose Mike Evans versus essentially their secondary, but maybe even a little bit Bates. Like just knowing he's a a pretty big playmaker. And I feel like Mike Evans in general, this is a guy that you don't want to face off of like kind of wanting a revenge game. Like I know Mike – He's there in the chatter. Wants to have some plays back from the last game. And Mm -hmm. yeah, here's here's some things. And I feel like Mike's a guy that it's like, he always just reminds me of, I always quote it, but of just the the Michael Jordan in the last dance of where it's like, and I took that personally. Like that's (laughs) to me who Mike is. Yes. And I feel like this is gonna be a game where Mike's like, okay. All right. Yeah. Let's do this. You wanted to give me motivation? Yep. All right. You got it. (laughs) Yeah. So I think that um, and I just I think that in general, knowing that we got to get some of those deep shots to then help open up some right. of the things with the run game that we saw that they, the, we were willing to take some shots that right. they were going for those deep balls. They were going for those haymaker type plays. Mm-hmm. They didn't connect, but it shows they're in there. They're getting called. Right. They're getting dialed up and the guys are open. Yeah. And so I think we saw Mike Evans was open mm-hmm. multiple times, which is great because, again, a lot of teams end up doubling him. And so just to see that he was right. open is a great sign. And it goes all the way back to training camp where he talked about how, man, I don't know that I've been this open this many times as, as right. in this new offense. Yeah. And I think we're, we've seen some of that. It's just those little bits of execution. And I feel like this is one of those games that could maybe be that get right game right. where they're going to be trying to make that happen. Um, and then on the other side of things, so I basically did a similar thing to you of the Bijan versus – but I chose Levante instead of Devin only because I just feel like this is the kind of player and scheme and everything that Levante thrives against of, the, you know, mm-hmm. they're calling him the, the screen sniffer and the guy that he can sniff out either the screen or those outside runs. And I just right. feel like this is the game where you see Levante getting a few of those tackles mm-hmm. for loss for a couple yards behind. Because actually it's amazing. Bijan Robinson really wants to run outside a lot. Yeah. That this is not going to be where it's always trying to go up through the middle. Mm-hmm. He's running around to the side of the tackles. And right. Levante is just that heat-seeking missile because his vision yes. is so yeah, good. The and the instincts are so good where he can tell the angle to take. Mm-hmm. He can tell where it's going and before it ever gets there. So I just feel like this is one of those games where you're going to see Levante getting a couple of those right. tackles for loss behind yeah. the line of scrimmage. And him against Kyle Pitts. And that's what who yeah. isn't ready for that. Who isn't ready for that <laughs> matchup? Ready for, no. <laughs> and then I mean, just to know that that's the kind of play we're going to need as well, yeah. because you're going to want to put the Falcons in a position to be having to get in those third down passing right. situations where you can tee off on Desmond Ritter a bit. You don't want to let them get to where they're only needing third and one, third right. and two, third and three. Like you're going to want a couple of those tackles for loss early in the downs. Yeah, put them behind the sticks a bit, get him to where he has to throw, and then let your guys tee off on him a little bit more. Um, how about the position group to watch for you? Ooh, so for offense, I'm going with sort of tight end, but I'm going to go with Kate Auten in particular. Mm. And when I was kind of looking at some of the, the the previous games for the Falcons, tight ends have played extremely well against the Falcons defense. Evan Ingram, Dalton Schultz, Sam Laporta, um, when they played them. So I think this could be a really big game for Kate Auten um, and kind of a guy that just has that, ability in zones you know that ability at the break point and he has kind of really improved in pass protection and kind of opening things up from that route as well so I think he could end up being a really huge factor over the middle of the field and then defensively I'm gonna go with sort of the just linebackers and safeties in general because like we've mentioned a lot of the runs are coming outside so 
the angles of pursuit, tackling in space, all of these things. And you saw kind of a little bit of what the Lions were able to do with those yards after the catch with Amon Ross St. Brown. And this is the Falcons have so many weapons. I mean, you have these positionless guys, you have Bijan Robinson, you have Tyler Argier, you have Kyle Pitts, you have Cordero Patterson. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Drake London, if you queue in against the run, well, then they can beat you with guys like Drake London and Kyle Pitts over the top. So how are those guys rallying to the football, the second and third level of the Bucs defense? And also they use a lot of motions, which kind of makes defenses – hesitate to what they're queuing in on, which gives them kind of those free releases for their tight ends, for their receivers, um, but then also gives their rushers kind of that extra little bit head of steam before the defense is even able to react. Um, so how are they able to counter the vision, the eye discipline? All of those things are going to be absolutely crucial for this game. Okay, I like that. And I like that you brought up tight ends and Cade in particular. I know in my show with Coach Bowles on Monday, I brought up Cade to him and said, you know, he only had – He's, he's kind of had a catch here, a catch there, right. a play there. And I said, but he's playing every snap or almost every right. snap every game. And he said, yeah, I think Kate is one of our most unsung heroes yes. of the offense. I and mean, the stuff he's doing in the blocking yeah, game. Yeah, he's being asked on to do the second, yes. so much outside of just being able to make right. those catches. So I'm glad you brought him up. Um, yeah, for me on the position group, I offensively went with – I didn't know if I wanted to choose running back or offensive line, but essentially I'm just saying the run game that – God, we just we need a game that shows that we've got some of those chunk yes. runs. Yeah. It's just a higher yard per carry because, again, it, they have shown they are going to run the ball. It's going to happen. It is a part of their scheme. They believe in it. They believe that this is necessary. Even when some of the games it hasn't gone as well, mm-hmm. they know it's necessary for everything else to work, that you can't just abandon it. You can't just start throwing all over the place. And I just I want to see that you get a few more of those chunk runs, a few more of those big plays, and to just feel like you can get again, like where you're not off the field so quickly because you can't right. you can't convert some of the third and shorts, or even that you're starting off so behind the sticks where you're running on maybe first and second down, and you still have six yards to go. You mm-hmm. know that just to be able to put yourself in some better positions to make your third downs a little bit more manageable or to know that you're going to be able to convert them with the run if there's third and shorts. I just, I think we all need to, as everybody's kind of clamoring for and knowing right. that was something they really focused on during the the bye week is mm-hmm. when can we see the production that I know they know they're capable of on that side of the ball. Um, and then defensively, I went with the outside linebacker group, knowing again how much they want to run to the outside. Are they setting the edge? And then are they able to tee off if we can stop it early? Right. Get some pressure to Ritter because it does seem like he's a guy that if you can put Get some pressure face, on him, right. it's going to change some things. Mm-hmm. And like we said, they have so many weapons. We don't want to let him just sit back there and start dishing all these different people that they have. And, right. you know, they don't have just kind of one guy you can focus on. Right. So getting that pressure in there is going to be important. And then just seeing that they also stay fundamental when it comes to the run game and not letting them get outside. Right for some of those bigger gains is uh, is really important. How about, I think we've probably hit on a lot of it at this point, but keys to the game, what stands out to you? Mm-hmm. Offensively, I'm just going to say starting faster and getting into that rhythm. And whether it's kind of what Dave Canales was talking about yesterday, where even if it's a little bit manufacturing that run game while they're trying to build it with 
with the end arounds, with the jet sweeps and with some of those things so that they can dial up the play action. You you have keeping the defenses on the heels while they're kind of building the run game or if they're able to kickstart that with kind of the, the, the diverse groupings of what they're trying to use with, you know, the duo, the power, the outside, the inside zone. All of these things working together, I think, is going to be crucial. And this may not be the game when you have Grady Jarrett and David Onyemata where you're trying to run it between the tackles. That's not going to be this week. But maybe it's getting some guys on the perimeter, you know, whether it's Devin Tompkins on the jet sweeps or you have Kate Otten in motion or you have Chris Godwin in motion and kind of doing some of those things, a little bit of the theatrics to get that going. And then defensively, I love that Casey Rogers this week just flat out said – if we don't stop the run, we're not winning this game. Yeah. Like, just plain and simple. Yep. Um, and, and it's like, r- stopping the run is always, like, a priority. Yes, it's always But it is different a priority. against a team that you know, right. like, that's their identity. Right. And it's everything is predicated off of that. The play action, the, the rollouts. And they use so many different personnel groupings with the tight ends they have, but they have so many positionless players that can do so many different things like Bijan Robinson, Mm -hmm. like Cordero Patterson. You have the big bodied receiver in Drake London, you know, all of these guys. Okay. Are they lining up in the backfield? Are they in the slot? Are they, you know, they can line up everywhere and hurt you so many different ways. And then it's okay. If you line up in base and bigger, well then they can beat you with, Kyle Pitts, they can beat you with Drake London. But then if you key in for that and you go with your nickel packages, your smaller guys, well, then how do you stop the run? How do you stop mm-hmm. Bijan Robinson? How do you stop Tyler Algier? How do you stop Cordell Patterson? So I think those are kind of some of the things is they they win through creating those mismatches yep. and hurting you along the defense and using those motions to kind of scheme guys open mm-hmm. and how are the Bucks able to kind of combat that and stop the run initially so that they can force them to be one-dimensional yep that's great I think um yeah you talked about that with their personnel I'm gonna just steal some stats that Scott Smith used on our insider show yesterday he talked about their personnel groupings and that they're yeah, 11 personnel they're, this is so wild. They are only in 11 personnel 15.2% of the time. Yeah. That is by far the least yeah. in the whole league. By far. So then their most commonly used one, 41% of the time they're in 21 personnel. Mm-hmm. And then 23% of the time they're in 22 personnel. Like, it's just crazy the mm-hmm. way that they are, are. They love these heavy packages. Yes. They absolutely love coming in heavy. So. You have so many guys. You yeah. know, even with Titans bringing in John U. Smith, you know, to kind of create some things for for Kyle Pitts. But even they almost use him as a, a tailback. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's insane how many different ways they can use players. It's gonna be interesting. Yeah. And I think um, I had the same thing for the key to the game was a faster start offensively. Mm-hmm. Six total points scored in the first quarter in the first five games. Total six points. Wow. And that just is going to make it so much harder because then you're going to need to start pressing on some yes. stuff. Like you're just, just limits. It means you're most likely behind. Right. And then you have to maybe, do you feel like you have to change what you're doing? Do you not? And it just to know that you first quarter, I want to see a touchdown. Yes. <laughs> it hasn't happened yet. We have not scored a first quarter touchdown so far this season. And that is that just puts you in a rough spot. And so, yeah, I want to see a faster start. Um, and especially when I know Coach Bowles said he felt like the team just came out. I don't know if he said it like a little flat or kind of, I don't remember exactly right. how he put it, but he just sluggish, didn't feel, I mean, yeah, yeah, sluggish. He didn't feel like the 
energy, the, you know, whatever you want to call it was there to start. Mm -hmm. And I want to see that chip on the shoulder. I want right. to see that. I want to see, I think it was, what did Baker say that, that he was excited to have the pissed off version of the Bucks yes. this week? Well, to just get the momentum, yeah. get that kind of pendulum swing in your favor yep. initially. And of course, get off the field on third down on defense. Yes. We saw that again, I mean, that time of possession last week, 36-30 for them, 23-30 for us. That's almost a whole, whole quarter. quarter. Almost a whole quarter. That's just going to take its toll. And especially when you know, again, it's a team that wants to run the ball. That is going to start getting yep. tough if they've been out there over mm -hmm. and over and over for so long, having to keep trying to stop that right. Um, all right. So now it is time for our quote of the week. Uh, who yes. did you pick for your quote I of the week? I picked Dave Canales. Of course you did. And I loved this. We pick him all it the is, time because he gives oh such good I quotes. He does. I hope we didn't pick the same one. It is the quote on the communication. Nope, we picked different ones. Okay. okay. It's a little bit long, uh, so bear with me, but I just absolutely loved this. He said, yesterday, just to share a moment for all of you because you weren't out at practice, but the intensity that the guys came out with yesterday together in the huddle. At a couple of times in practice, I'm watching them talk. They're taking ownership of this thing. My highest vision for our offense, my highest view of us long-term, is a group that can work those things out together in the huddle. It kind of gave me chills a couple of times where I really feel like I'm this guy back there just reading off a paper because Baker Mayfield is talking to the White House and the linemen are talking and communicating with the tight ends. Yesterday was such a fantastic example of that of what we are looking for. For Robert Hainsey and those guys taking ownership of this offense, it's theirs. We give them a plan that they're excited about. Hopefully we give them plays they love. And then from there, they have to take ownership and really drive it and be out there on Sunday where it's them playing. They are not an extension of me. They are not an extension of their coaches. This is their team. Yep. And I absolutely loved that. Seeing them taking the accountability, taking the ownership of we control our destiny. Everything is in front of us. It's week seven against a divisional foe. We need this win. We can take sole possession of the NFC South. Let's get this thing done. Yep. I and like I, that. I love that. I like that. Yeah. And it is a good point. We haven't brought up the fact that we have the chance to be in sole possession of yes. first place. Right. That's a huge Everything deal. Everything is still out in front. That's a huge deal. I mean, to know that that is your best route to the playoffs, playoffs to, right. to kind of guarantee and that it's spot. Right there. It's right there that they'll be. And it, it's always very early in the season to start talking about the whole controlling your own destiny, but it's true. Like it, you right. can, once you're sitting there, you you're in that driver's yeah. seat mm -hmm. and you can make those decisions. Okay. Um, mine again, also Dave Canales. <laughs> um, I think that we should just make this the Dave Canales quote of the <laughs> yeah. week segment. Um, so he was asked if he needs to streamline the offense until he figures out how to get production from the running game. So I always think that's interesting of when things are maybe not working in one area, right? You know, the questions about what does this mean? Do you need to take away? Do you need to add? Do you need to change? Yeah. You know, kind of all that stuff. So he said, I think for me, the challenge is this. If you oversimplify, it makes it easy for the defense to stop what you're doing. That may lead to success on a couple of plays, but I think that in the pass game and the run game, if we put the strain on ourselves now, early in the season, by the time we hit midseason and as we go, the guys get familiar and accustomed to having all the different variety, having the different types of runs, the different types of passes, the fly motions, the shifts, the different things that we're working on, that does take time. It's kind of like, I don't want to sacrifice where we're heading for right now. At the same time, we've got to find a way to make yards. We've got to find a way to make first downs and continue to have success while we're figuring that stuff out. That task does fall squarely on my shoulders and the staff really helping me to put together a good, versatile attack. 
I think that is such a great way to look at it is don't sacrifice the future for the for, now. Yes. Don't sacrifice what you want most for what you want now. No. That I feel like it's the equivalency of the marshmallow experiment. This is one of my favorite things. Have you all seen where it's like they put a marshmallow in front of a kid and they're like, you can eat this now. Or if you wait, we'll give you a second marshmallow and you can eat both of them. And it's about this idea of the patience and delayed <gasps> no, gratification. It's first of all, but I definitely if you want haven't, to see that. It's hilarious because I think kids my are and niece dying. Would fail yeah, kids that. are dying. Yeah, yeah. They're smelling it. They're like Just licking it a little bit. Like they're trying to do anything they can to not eat it. It's phenomenal. Some kids pop it in their mouth right away. They're like, don't care, not waiting. And I, I love it. I just think it's one of my favorite things ever. That's what I thought of with this quote of like, okay, we could go simplified now. That's right. the one marshmallow. We could dial everything back. Right. But and then you go, run the risk but of then defenses. They figure it out. And right. then you haven't been able to practice the more complicated things for when you need them, them down the season. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just really enjoyed the perspective on that. And that, again, it's yes, every game matters. Yes, we need to win right now. But at the same time, you are looking at an entire season. Right. You're looking at an entire new scheme and plans for even future seasons of, yeah. of where you want to be not only this year, but next year. Um, so yeah, I thought that was a great perspective. So we will close with this. We always close with a sort of human interest off the field, something about, uh, one or more of the guys. Uh, so I thought, especially because of the cream school game this last week, I wanted to talk about the fact that Ryan Neal gets his cleats custom designed every game. He has a guy Excuse that paints them for him. And he wears different custom painted cleats every game. And we actually have a photo of him arriving to the game and he was holding up the cleats like next to his head, showing yes. him off that he'd gotten these custom cream school ones. So that's what that's oh, about. Oh my goodness. So he started in Seattle. He said the Griffin twins had a guy that was doing it. And he was like, yo, I, I'm gonna need I some of that. The, yeah. That looks pretty good. And so he contacted their artist and has kept on doing it. He's put characters on some. He's done a whole bunch of different wow. things on it. He said that he's done uh, just regular Nike cleats, Dunks, Air Max. Like he's done all these different kind of cleats with it. And now he basically wow. said he exclusively does the Dunks type of cleats that he thinks that's the best oh look. God. So pay attention to the heat on the feet from Mr. Ryan Neal. And <laughs> of course, also Marquise Watts is another guy that yes. custom does his own um, shoes. And apparently he is in the process of maybe custom painting some cleats for Shaq. Uh, that apparently Shaq kind of was like, hey, maybe you could do some for me. Oh and I need to jump in on that Anna, right? well. And I believe that Marquise is going to be painting his own My Cause My Cleats, which is really That's cool to see. That's incredible. It's one thing to see the guys wearing the custom cleats. It's another to know that but he's made created his them, own. His, yeah. And then wow. selfishly, I just wanted to point out that I painted my own shoes Yours for the first time ever. These are the guys that inspired fire, me. Casey. Thank you. I appreciate it. This is why I did it. I had the splatter. The splatter paint. Thank you. I was so proud. So I'd never <laughs> painted shoes before. I was very nervous about it. I felt like the cream school game was the time to do it. So um, yeah, I have photos of it on my Instagram. But <laughs> these Check are the guys out. that inspired it. it. I was like, I heard about and then the pin, the Bucko Bruce pin. That uh, I will say I was pretty proud of too because I hadn't thought of I was like, how do I add, make this really like bucks? And then they were passing out those pins for her to wear on their lapels. And I was like, give me a couple of those. I, I think I need some of these. Kiss. There you go. So yes, I, today's entire fact was just about the idea of the custom cleats, the custom sneaks. And I said, who doesn't love that? the heat on the feet? So that was our human interest <laughs> side of things. All right. That is going to do it for us on Tampa 2 this week. Thank you so much for being with us. And we'll talk to you next time.